This podcast is a part of Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org. Hey everyone! I'm Abriana. And I'm Bryn. And welcome back to Inside 1801 Podcast Season 2, Episode 2. We are so excited that it is finally fall break. We are actually going on a really exciting mountain weekend trip with all of our best friends. We're going to Lake Lure, North Carolina, and I've never been there. Have you I been there? I personally have not been there either. It's a random Airbnb that I found <laughs> online, and it looks so nice. It's in this cool little resort neighborhood, and it was a really good deal, so we're going to do... Some mountain stuff. Brynn's going to go on a hike and she's going <laughs> to love it. I'm not very adventurous. I don't like hiking. I don't like kayaking. I don't like really fitness, whatever. But during this trip, I am going to go on a hike and it's going to be We're awesome. Gonna connect with nature. It's going to be great. Yeah. I might even have... go kayaking or something. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> wow. I know. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. <laughs> but we're going to do a boat tour of the lake. We're going to just make cute little all desserts, make a fire, hang out. It's going to be really cute. I am so excited. But until then, we are very, very busy. Lots going on in student government. Um, We just had a meeting with the president of the school, which was very interesting. Yes, student government-wide. President Amaritas joined us, and that was actually really um, awesome because all of the student government members, like, submitted their own questions, so a lot of people got answers to these questions they had straight from the president of the university, which doesn't get better than that. Yeah, it was actually really inspiring. And he is just such a sweet, well-spoken man. And I was fascinated by everything he was saying. And he was honestly, I could just see how genuine he was about the student experience and what students want. And I really felt like he was there for us. So it was super interesting. But in other news, we also just got done with Sigma Free Week, which was so fun. I had a great time. Um, my favorite was tabling on Davis Field and having people write notes to other people and then take one for themselves. I felt like people really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was really fun. Just like kind of connect with students and do a little event that like they're like oh my gosh Stephanie do anything I'm like no we just want you to get some encouragement like talk to someone or just have a little boost on your way to class because sometimes not not a good time when you're walking to class yeah but my favorite has to be the stigma free panel that was really awesome for me I was moderating it um with our AVP of student health and well-being and then Um, one of the doctoral interns from there as well, and one of the student mental health ambassadors. I really loved that because while I was up on the stage, I purposely made it so that I was a little like off of the center where they were talking (laughs) because I was able to learn and listen, and they got to answer some of the questions from the audience as well, which was really cool. And I know all the people that were there, like people came up to me and were like, oh, this was amazing. Like I didn't know X, Y, and Z existed in our mental health resources that we have at the university so that was just really exciting for me because that's my entire goal in this position in student government um 
is just to let people know about resources that are on campus. So that was a small step into doing that. But today we do have a very exciting guest. Um, she's here to talk about women in leadership, entrepreneurship, and Columbia's innovation space and so much more. So I know we are both super excited about that. Yeah, me and Abriana are obviously both women in leadership, super involved on campus. Um, but we don't know a ton about the startup community in Columbia. So I am very excited to introduce Caroline Crowder, the executive director for GroCo. All right. Welcome to the pod. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Let's get right into it. So Caroline and I actually met at a workshop a few weeks ago. Um, we learned some really awesome things about entrepreneurship and creating a startup. And I kind of went randomly because my mom said, oh, you should go to this. And I was like, okay. And I ended up learning so much and making some really great connections and learning a lot about other startups that are coming to be in Columbia. And Caroline was just such an impressive person to me. And we started this podcast and I was like, Caroline would be a really great guest. And thankfully, she emailed me back within a couple minutes, and we were both really excited. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here, Caroline. Um, I know a little bit of your background, but could you share more with our listeners about your connection to USC, your career path, and your role in GroCo and Columbia? Yes. Okay, so big question to start us <laughs> yeah. all off with. <laughs> Lots to cover. Lots to cover. <laughs> all right, so I'll start with kind of the, br the brief background of me and kind of take you guys through, like, from since college, really, where we are a decade later. Um, <laughs> so I graduated from USC, from the Darla Moore School of Business, with my undergrad in uh, marketing and management and a little flair of psychology in the minor because um, I loved all things people. I loved what motivated us as individuals. I, I was fascinated with the concept of how our brains thought and processed, like, just how we made like cognitive decisions when it came to marketing, when it came to people, and that soft side of the business, um, and even how it trickles into economics um, with consumer behavior overall. So I was completely enamored by that in my undergrad studies, and that's what I focused a lot of my time on. And so graduated from USC, um, and where I was also, I have to mention this too, I was also in the triathlon club at USC during my undergrad years. That's I cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to do like an Ironman, but... We'll see if I... We can train to together point. for one next year. <laughs> I could never do a triathlon, but maybe I'll try. You would. You might just surprise yourself. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I was also in the triathlon club among a handful of other clubs during undergrad. Um, and so graduated, went on to work for an office um, at USC for economic development and primarily led the USC Columbia Technology Incubator um, for several years during that time. During that time, we did a lot of industry partnerships and work with the tech startup community here in COLA and uh, made a lot of really great connections. And that's kind of where my career really got started with emerging as a woman in leadership, I think, in the Columbia startup community mm -hmm. in general. Um, from there, got my master's in international business, went back to the Moore School, decided I needed, needed a master's degree. I had this crazy bucket list item to go live and work abroad. I'd studied abroad in Australia for a semester during my undergrad. Yeah, but my that's bucket amazing. list item was to work abroad, and that's really what I wanted to do. So um, when a, an executive recruiter out of New York 
happened to connect with me on LinkedIn um, when I was still working for USC. And he said, hey, we've got this really awesome opportunity for you in Singapore. And it's an MIT equivalent university. Would you be interested in allowing me to submit your resume for the job? And first, I had to search where Singapore was on the map, admittedly. (laughs) But then once I discovered this little tiny city state that exists in Southeast Asia, I was began to be enamored by that. And I am the type of person, when I set my eyes on something, I am going full steam ahead to go get it. Um, So, you know, that opportunity didn't pan out. Um, You know, lost the opportunity to um, a guy with about uh, 40 more years of work experience on his resume. And (laughs) how dare he? I know, like a a law degree, two PhDs, and I think three master's degrees. (laughs) Um, And so I thought, okay, well, I can't be upset with this, right? Like, you can't. And so the conversation that I basically had with that recruiter was, you can't control the number of birthdays that you have in life, but you can control the fact that you don't have a master's degree. So from there, went back to USC, got the master's in international business. It's a very innovative program for a higher education institution to offer. Um, And I was, you know, I knew I wanted to do international business because I didn't have the confidence in my undergrad years that I fit into that program, which Mm -hmm. in hindsight. It's a tough program. (laughs) Yeah, it's really a hard program to do. And in my undergrad years, I just didn't have the confidence that I belonged in the room. And so went back, you know, kind of gave myself that second chance to do the master's program and made some amazing global connections through that. And um, one of which actually took me to Singapore for an awesome career opportunity with an ed tech startup there. Um, And so had a global business development role that was working with governments um, to transform higher education in Asia, Africa and the Middle East. Um, That is crazy. That is very. (laughs) (laughs) And that was all just through a connection in the business school? Yeah, it's really all all things I believe in life will stem down to the power of your network. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about it all the time in the startup community in general. Like, if you the best mentorship that you can have is from someone who's been there, done that before. And I did. Um, we have a local, uh, like a I don't know how to what you call a video podcast exactly, but it's called Footnotes in Columbia. Um, it's done by Pendleton Street Business Advisors and the Pearson Collective Media Group. They're the ones who have been filming it since its inception. John Barnes is the CEO of Pendleton Street Business Advisors, and I think I was maybe the third or so guest that he had mm-hmm. on uh, that. I'm going to call it a video podcast. <laughs> um, on that video podcast, right. and the whole concept that I talked about was borrowed mentorship because. Like, again, you can't control the number of birthdays that you have in life, but you can control who you hang out around and the conversations Mm -hmm. that you're having and all of the learning that you're taking in around you. Um, You know, you don't have to carry, you don't have to have the number of birthdays that other people around you have to be able to learn from their experiences. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of bring it back full circle, yeah, the Singapore connections really stemmed from someone who had lived in Singapore previously and offered to say, hey, I've still got a couple of friends who are over there. Um, You know, no guarantees, obviously, that a job is coming from this. And that was never the intent was like the intent of the conversations was never to get a job. The intent of the conversations and what I led with was tell me about life in Singapore. Is this Mm -hmm. even something that I should really consider? Because when the recruiter had originally reached out years prior, it was 
he, like he led the conversation with, hey, this is an amazing career opportunity and it's a, an amazing place to live. But those conversations had to move so quickly um, because universities in Singapore actually move quickly. They don't operate like universities mm-hmm. in America do. Mm-hmm. So like when they make a decision, they make a decision very quickly of what they want to do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it was just kind of two different, um, two different pathways, like in general. Um, and then, so once I had finished up my contract in Singapore, I was there over there for a year and had done a bit of work for the company prior to physically being located in Singapore. Cause that was also like COVID had delayed my uh, entry into the country a little bit. What was um, it like living in Singapore? Well, it's an amazing place. Many people in the world will call it Nirvana. Everything oh, wow. is clean. Um, there's arguably no corruption in the government. Um, you know, all of these different cultures exist and exist and they exist peacefully with one another. Um, there, there's, you know, you would never see, well, I can't say never, but, you know, you see people from all different backgrounds speaking different languages that hail from different cultures and different parts of the world that all mix and mingle together in Singapore. And it's beautiful to see the collaboration and the community that stems from that. And I think, I mean, quite honestly, America could take a lesson in that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a really cool experience. So what came next? Yeah. Okay, so then next <laughs> after... I'm intrigued. <laughs> so next after Singapore, um, my, so my contract ended there. And just before it had ended, um, a couple of local founders to Colombia had reached out and said, hey, GroCo even though it's been a nonprofit organization that's supported entrepreneurship in Colombia since 2019, it's evolving into a different mission thanks to the support from the Boyd Foundation. Um, the Boyd Foundation in, is infusing, and I'm talking in the present like because this was a literal conversation that I have that I had was the Boyd Foundation is infusing a million dollars into the com- into the nonprofit. And as part of that, we need to hire an executive director. They need to be equipped to build out a team. You know, the priority here is not additional fundraising, but the priority here is someone who is respected in the community, has existing relationships with the stakeholders, and is like ultimately respected by the founders and trusted by the founders. Um, because Columbia's startup community lacks trust. So I mean, and I mean sorely lacks trust, and it's an unfortunate thing, but it's created a unique opportunity for me to be here, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that, and absolutely love what I do. People who meet me for the first time when I tell them about GroCo and I tell them about my story, they're like, they always comment on how much energy I have mm-hmm. as a human. And I say, well, you know, I hope that that doesn't go away at any point um, <laughs> in life in general. But, you know, I think that you should always be in, in life in general. I think that you should be radiating a certain level of energy that so people know that you're excited about what you're doing because that will make people mm-hmm. gravitate towards it. But if I walked around like, oh, yeah. Gurko. It's like, do you really yeah. love your company? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, do you love what you're doing at that point if you can't, like, convey that excitement? Like yeah. You said? Yeah. You definitely don't. If you can't convey the excitement, if people who work for your company are not excited, then why would other people who are on the outside of the company be excited about what's going on? They won't. So, they, they won't. <laughs> exactly. So it's super important on the GroCo, like internal staff, that we are always on our A game and always excited um, and just always connecting with new faces and new people and delivering the A game every single time. Awesome. So how would you describe your role in GroCo? And could you just share more about what it is for people who maybe don't know anything about it? Yeah, so my official title is being GroCo's executive director. 
um, that was ironically it's a it's a goal that I set you know when I was actually still with USC's incubator I realized very quickly that I'd reached a glass ceiling within USC's incubator and that there was no more room for a progression there despite you know lack of masters lack of birthdays whatever mm-hmm. excuse there was <laughs> there were just other individuals that held positions and they weren't willing to step aside so when you recognize those things um you know, I knew at the time I loved what I did. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved the startup community. And anybody who works at a startup will tell you, you do everything. So being Groco's executive director, this morning I was approving, like I was writing social media and doing our newsletter and getting all of the marketing stuff prepped for next week. Um, you know, but, you know, I'm also on the phone talking about, okay, how are we going to support other initiatives, other entrepreneurial initiatives in other parts of the state And how do we look at bigger partnerships within Columbia, but also on a statewide basis of how we can leverage one another to build more statewide connectivity? So, Mm -hmm. you know, not to diminish social media or a weekly newsletter, you know, that stuff is extremely important to maintain your brand awareness and your brand presence. But also there's also, you know, a huge spectrum in there that I have to be constantly covering. Um, So sometimes it's a little bit more tactical of, hey, we got to post on social media. And sometimes it's extremely high-level conversations with stakeholders, including with the Boyd Foundation, who's a million-dollar investor um, in GroCo, you know, of, hey, this is, you know, this is where we're at. This is a status update. Um, Here's a construction update on the building. And, you know, all like everything that you could possibly imagine that comes in, in between those things. Yeah. So... And on the topic of the Boyd Foundation, one of our listeners actually submitted this amazing question. Um, You talked a little bit about the grant that they were providing to fund GroCo for two years. Um, Could you kind of talk more about that? But since you've been a part of GroCo and being the executive director, what are your plans for continuing to keep it open and for Columbia Innovators beyond the end of this grant? Yeah, I love this question. Um, And I get asked this all the time, actually, because at some point money runs out, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, hopefully it doesn't run out for us personally. But, you know, like at some point in the startup life cycle, your investment runs low or it runs out. Um, So the Boyd Foundation is not the um, the sole financial contributor to GroCo. We have some local government that has also provided funding for U. Not for USC, goodness, for <laughs> GroCo. Um, they've provided some uh, some donations to GroCo that help allow us to continue certain programming initiatives. Um, you know, and that's the honestly, it's the real reason that I was even hired in the first place. The core metric or KPI, if you will, for me as the executive director of GroCo is to make GroCo a financially sustainable organization. The goal timeline was two years. That's why all the press the press articles initially said, yep, the $1 million investment from the Boyd Foundation is for a two-year runway to create sustainable operations. Well, somebody has to be held responsible for that, and it's me. That's one, one of the many hats that I wear, and that's more so on the, on the maintaining the relationship with the Boyd yeah. Foundation side of things. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I mean, it's life, right? Life yeah. is full of pressure. And one of my favorite quotes comes from Tim Grover, who is a NBA athletic trainer um, of sorts. And he wrote a book called Relentless Years Ago and then rewrote another book called Winning. And one of the quotes that came out of Winning is that pressure is a privilege. And I think a lot of times it's really easy in life 
for all of us to get kind of stuck, whether you're a student and you're stressing about midterms or final exams or homecoming week because you've got so much going on on Mm -hmm. your plate, um, or, you know, maybe you're an executive director and you've got a million dollar investor that you, you know, that's always going to hold you accountable to things, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a sales rep, you've got a sales quota to hit for your quarter, you always have pressure in life. You're mm-hmm. always going to be hit with, from with stress from all angles. But to me, it's more about like how you view it. It's your mindset for how you approach the situation and how I've always viewed it ever since I read Tim's book. I read both of them, actually, but I read Winning first because that's how I heard about him. And then I went to the past and read <laughs> Relentless Second. <laughs> but um, yeah, pressure is a privilege. It's something mm-hmm. I absolutely live by now. And it succinctly says in my mind, like exactly how I view pressure. I feel like it's kind of that saying where when you stop learning somewhere, you should leave. I know my parents always say that. And I feel like a lot of teachers in my life, um, like in a job or on campus, like a leadership role, whenever it just feels easy and fun and like you're not really doing anything, maybe it's time to move on and keep learning. I spent like, especially in college, I feel like there's so many opportunities to not keep learning and growing. So I think me and Aubriana both definitely feel a lot of pressure because we (laughs) are the type who are trying to do everything, trying to really take advantage of the opportunities in Columbia at USC. So we definitely feel the pressure. Life in general. We We love it. it. We like so busy. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like, too, when you're in college and in the years that follow in your early 20s post-college, you feel pressure from all sorts of different angles to find the perfect partner, to be a certain someone. And you've got pressure from yourself, pressure from your friends, parents, you know, your social circles that extend beyond your friends from work. And you're getting hit from all different angles at all times. And it's a lot to process. Mm -hmm. It really is. But you just got to stick with it and keep going. Especially, I feel like, with college graduation, it's kind of the end. It's like what (laughs) you've been leading up to for your whole life. Okay, I'm going to get a job. And I feel like as juniors now, we're, you know, trying to find internships and trying to connect with all these people. (laughs) And it's just, there is so much pressure to move to a big city and have a really cool job that you can post on LinkedIn. And now I'm kind of realizing, like, it's okay. It's okay to, you know, stay in Columbia. Like, it doesn't always have to work out and be, like, this huge thing that you can brag about to everybody. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure, especially in Darlamore. I'm not in Darlamore, but, you know, everyone's always posting, I'm working (laughs) in finance and doing this really cool thing. So Yeah, Yeah, finance in New York, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Two-time grad of the Moore School. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Like, I love being surrounded by so many successful, amazing people, like mm. as I'm sure everyone knows, like the people you surround yourself with is kind of like, I know that's where I get my motivation, but you know, you do feel that like extra pressure sometimes and it's a lot, it's motivating, but then I feel like we're both reminding each other every day, like <laughs> you're fine, like you're doing great, like you will get to whatever point life takes you to and where you need to be at, but it's something that, you know, we learn along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're really excited about internships. Fingers crossed. And I'll put, Brent, I'll put a bow on your comment about, like, moving to a big city because it's something that we talk about a lot within the startup community in Columbia. I talk about it with 
the mayor and the city team overall and with Richland County, like we talk about brain drain out of all of the local universities in Columbia, not just USC, but Benedict Allen, Columbia, Midlands Tech, all of Mm -hmm. them, CIU too. So students always tend to think that moving to the big city like Atlanta, New York, San Fran, LA, wherever it might be, is the sexiest option to have because that's what looks great on LinkedIn. And I'm here to tell you, for some people, that is 110% the right move to make. Some students, that's what that's the pathway that they're meant to be. Like, the big cities are big cities for a reason. But there's all that pressure, again, like we talked about before, to do that when some people know in their heart that, A, they might actually like Columbia as a city, and they can see themselves here as a young professional. Maybe they can see themselves raising a family here. You know, and that's okay. And having that level of confidence to come forward and say, hey, I like Columbia. I want to stay here and I want to work here. You know, for some people, they want to go work in the big cities at big firms. That's great. Some people want to stay in Columbia. And I would encourage students to stay in Columbia. Come work at startups. You know, be in a role kind of where you're like an executive director of GroCo and you get to wear all these different hats on a daily basis. You know, a great example of this is um, a company that's in the Boyd Innovation Center right now called Van Robotics. Um, they just hired someone, a junior engineer that just graduated from the College of Engineering. And this person just recently started working at Van Robotics. And one of the big attraction pieces that they had to the company is that they want to be an entrepreneur themselves one day, but they recognize that they're just a recent graduate and they don't have the background that they feel is ready to be a founder themselves yet. So there's no better way to go get the founder experience and, again, to borrow that mentorship and to borrow the knowledge Mm -hmm. from other people than to go put yourself in the situation and go learn from the best and brightest entrepreneurs in Colombia. Yeah, that's a really great opportunity. Um, Could you actually tell us more about Van Robotics? Because from what I remember, it's very interesting, and I know that's kind of off topic. (laughs) No, they're not off topic at all. Their HQ is in the Boyd Innovation Center. So they're our anchor tenant there. Um, They're an incredible company. Laura Bocanfuso, who's the CEO, is actually an alumni of the College of Engineering. She did her PhD in computer science at USC. And then she went on Well, hold the wow for one more second. (laughs) So then she went on to Yale University to do her postdoc research in the number one social robotics lab in the U.S. Wow. (laughs) So are you ready to wow again? Yep. So I can hype up Van Robotics all day for the record. They were featured on Shark Tank a handful of years ago when they were first starting out as a company, then featured as a Time Magazine Best Invention, and most recently this year were featured on CNN International in a global documentary series of the ways that we'll be learning in 2050. Oh, my gosh. So over It's crazy 20- that that's in it, Columbia. Yeah. yeah. Their <laughs> HQ is in Columbia, South Carolina at the Boyd Innovation Center in Five Points. Can you believe that? I can't. That- <laughs> and it's a company that GroCo is avidly supporting. It's what we're here to do. It's We're here to support companies like that who are building awesome, high-growth, high-tech companies in Columbia. Yeah. So what are they actually creating or what do they do? So they build a smart robot tutor. Her name is Abby. Um, when Laura was at... That's, that's her my nickname. nickname. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's so, so awesome. <laughs> Maybe you should be the human version yeah, of Abby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you could be a model for them. So, Abby <laughs> is a smart robot tutor that tutors your K-5 through student in math, literacy, and social and emotional learning, otherwise known as SEL. Um, they are in... I, don't, I couldn't even tell you, actually, how many 
states or countries that they're in at the moment, but I can tell you that they are officially a global company. They have multiple resale resellers around the world. They're in if not if they're not in every single state at this point, they're probably at like forty nine minus Alaska or something like that. Wow. I mean, they are, you know, a fairly large company making a huge impact overall mm. in the entire world. Um, but Avi, as the robot itself, uses artificial intelligence through a camera in her forehead to detect stress indicators in children as they're learning. So if a child is emitting a stress indicator like a crunched forehead or a furrowed brow or things like that, then Avi knows, using artificial intelligence, to take what uh, Van Robotics calls a brain break. And then so Avi will do a fun dance. Avi will tell a joke. Avi will do something to get the child out of learning mode and then kind of reset their brain mentally and then get them to revisit the lesson a couple minutes later. That is so it's so cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, Avi's not meant to replace the teacher in the classroom, mm. just for the record. It's meant to supplement learning. It's meant to allow students who are falling behind to stay on pace with where they need to be. Or if there's gifted students in the class, it's meant to allow um, students to be able to forge ahead as well. So it's wow. all just a personalized learning tutor. For everyone, it's personalized learning. That is very cool. Yeah, that's and incredible. As you said, like their headquarters are in Columbia, and I feel like what you've talked about a little bit, people staying in Columbia, it's a huge topic at the university. I mean, they're always trying to figure out how can we keep people here? Like, it's a great place. How do we show this? Like, how do we retain talent? And I feel like a lot of that is like in the innovation space and kind of growing that. What's kind of, I guess, more so like, what's your vision for Columbia in the next, say, 10 years oh I love this question so <laughs> can I bump it down to like three to five yeah, yeah. Go for it. so yeah. I'm gonna bump even it. sooner <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah I mean three to three to five years from now I hope that the five points neighborhood and district overall looks a lot different I hope that we see honestly less beer cans and broken glass on the street um, I think it's a shame that students treat the neighborhood like that and the general public mm. but um you know, we're not here. The Innovation Center is not here to declare war on the bars <laughs> in High Point. That's, you know, the furthest thing from what we're here to do, right? We want to enhance your student experience at, you know, in this setting at USC in a different way than what the college bars can do for you. Um, we're here to get you connected in with a network that can help you get jobs after you graduate, where you can have internships that lead to full-time jobs. We just had one um, engineering uh, computer science student who has been interning with a startup company that's very involved with GroCo stuff. And um, that individual just got placed in Texas at a large firm. You know, he's taken the big city route with a big company, mm -hmm. and that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, the salary is way up there in comparison to, um, I would say, comparable, you know, of, of someone from the same background and from the same major with the same set of experiences. Um, you know, when you have people who can help you out with salary negotiation, who can, you know, like when you have real work experience, not an internship that is getting coffee and taking your boss's dry cleaning to the cleaners and taking their car to get washed and things like that. Those internships are so far removed from the experience that you gain when you work in a startup environment. And whether you work on the support organization side, like on the GroCo side, or you work in depth with a startup itself – the experience, like I would say the, 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 the ability to wear multiple hats on a day-to-day -day basis, that is something that is continuous in, in both of those settings. Yeah. So do you guys only have, or in GroCo, do you only have tech startups or do you have other types of startups? 
So we're fairly new. Mm -hmm. So we're still kind of building out the official portfolio, if you will, like the official tenants that we'll have. Um, Van Robotics is our flagship one. We also have a very exciting um, quantum initiative that we'll be launching pretty soon. Um, And we've got a handful of others. Like we'll do some service-based businesses, but like we have a SEO company, right? And Mm -hmm. she's female-owned company. It's an incredible company and very, very rapidly growing. So we preference, we what we look for in companies is high growth, high tech. The high growth, in for the way that I define it, means that you're going for an exit at the end of it. You're a rapidly growing company, and you're going for an exit in some capacity, whether it's a merger or an acquisition at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. The high tech you know, part falls secondary and we do that for good reason because we recognize a we're in the Columbia market. Not everyone that we work with is going to be a van robotics and that's okay. But those high growth companies are typically going to have some form of high tech that they're utilizing. So where I kind of draw the line, it's a squishy, it's a squishy subject in general in my mind. But um, where I kind of draw the line is it's somewhere in between. You've got to be more than um, an e-commerce retail t-shirt company. You got to be mm-hmm. something a little bit more techie than that. But, um, you know, Van Robotics is probably the poster child for what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Van Robotics is fascinating <laughs> and just so interesting to hear about. I mean, even from what I've heard in the last, like, five minutes, I'm so intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and foreshadow something that Laura is probably coming on this podcast in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we might would, need to email her. To her so I would <laughs> yeah, propose. that would be really awesome. Um, so you talked a little bit about students getting internships in startups, but how do you recommend students get involved in the community within GroCo or startups even outside of GroCo in Columbia? Yeah, so the best thing that you can probably do is follow us on LinkedIn. I know that's not always the sexiest way to, uh, you know. We love LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> we love LinkedIn. Well, I know it's not always the sexiest way to get students involved, but I've had students who have shown up to our events previously and that, you know, I've said, hey, let's connect on LinkedIn. And they go, I don't have a LinkedIn. I say, okay, well, that's your homework. Immediately yeah. when you go home right now, you need to go make yourself a LinkedIn account and you need to start reaching out to people that you aspire to be. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a cold calling version. Like everyone is in sales at different points in our, like yep. all the time in our lives. And whether it's personally and you're a student, well, you need to be cold calling or cold outreaching people on LinkedIn and saying, hey, you have a job or you work at a company where I'm interested in working one day. What's it like working there? You know, and, and you're again, you're not leading with the intent of, hey, can you get me a job at this company? But you're leading with a, curi- a mindset of curiosity. And just so like a mindset that you're open to learning. I personally love an informational interview with literally anyone just like learning more, whether it's exactly what I want to do in the future. It's something that like I just have a little bit of interest in. There's no harm in like a 20 minute call with anyone. Like and I'm sure like most people like yourself, like I'm sure you'd be happy to talk about like what you do and why you're passionate about it. And I know I love hearing about that. So I think it's always helpful. And you may discover something like new that you're interested in, too. So it's always a LinkedIn reach out is always helpful. Yeah, I've been doing some of those calls lately and I do learn so much. I had a call the other day with someone who was in event planning and she honestly turned me away a little of kind of what I thought I wanted to do, but I was so thankful for that because I was like, thank you for being honest 
and telling me the bad things about it because that's what I want to know. I already know that I enjoy doing it, but if it's a con that I can't get over, I want to know about it. So those calls have been beneficial. And like you said, I know if I was messaged and asked to talk about myself, I'm I'm in. I will tell you everything. So I just hope that all these professionals feel the same when I message them on LinkedIn and follow up every week. (laughs) They do. I think people, most people in the world are good people and most people are always willing to help, Mm -hmm. especially while you can still like play, I call it playing the student card. As long as you can say, hey, I'm a student. I'm being forced to do this for a final project. Can you please help me out? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, most adults are, or most working professionals are willing to say, because we're we're all adults, um, you know, students are adults too. So we're all willing to help out, I think, in general. But aside from that, I mean, students can always get involved by just showing up to events, um, even if you don't have a LinkedIn account. I'll, you know, I might pick Figure on it you. Out. Yeah, if I, if I see you at the event and I get to talk to you, which I probably will because I always go greet the new faces in the room. Um, so be prepared for an energetic conversation with Caroline for sure. We'll be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do a weekly coffee meetup every Wednesday morning from 8 to 9 at the Boyd Innovation Center. It's 711 Saluda Avenue in Five Points. It's just a couple doors down from Drip. Um, we do that on a weekly basis. We have Lunch and Learns, our next one. Um, is diving into tax credits. Again, Mm. not the sexiest topic, but (laughs) necessary for founders to understand. Um, We have accelerators fairly consistently running at this point. We're underway with our third one for the year, which is pretty strong for Columbia's Mm -hmm. market. Um, You know, we're doing like the idea to launch workshop by Chris Hively, who's the co-founder of MapQuest and also a USC alum. That's Um, what I did. It was awesome. Yeah, that's how Brennan and I met. (laughs) You should do it. You should do the idea to launch. It's really fun. Yeah. It's it's funny, though, to me, like students on campus today, not all of them know what MapQuest is and they don't realize that, you know, it exited to AOL as a unicorn, which is over a billion dollar sale. Um, like it's kind of crazy that these people are our alums, right? Like when yeah. Van Robotics hopefully will exit at some point in the future. Um, you know, I hope that USC does a phenomenal job of telling that story. Um, you know, because I think it was a huge missed opportunity overall with Chris and with MapQuest, and there's a ton of other founders and entrepreneurs that are in the USC alumni network. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's something that you know it's an area for improvement for all of us to yeah. be leveraging. Chris was so awesome to hear from, and every time I meet someone that impressive from USC, I'm always like, you went here? Wait, what? And obviously, we go to an incredible school, but I always think that people who are that successful went to Harvard or Yale or some sort of (laughs) Ivy League, so I was like, wow, you were really fascinating, and um, so are you guys doing more idea to launch workshops? Yes, we'll definitely be scheduling them at certain points in the future. We just we haven't established a regular cadence for those just yet um, because I more so leverage the like the ex- not the experience, but um, the insight from organizations like the Faber Entrepreneurship Center or the McNair Institute for Entrepreneurism and Free Enterprise because we Groco does not have a constant pulse on the student community. So when it comes to scheduling things, um, I'm more of a partnership person and a mm-hmm. collaborator at heart than I am. I'm not, I'm not going to come on your campus where I don't have a pulse on your students and I don't have the network with the students like 
you know, like an organization on campus would. And I can't come on campus and just stake a flag in the ground and say, okay, this is when we will do idea to launch, you know? Yeah. That wouldn't work out for us. Yeah. You know, we we might be lucky if we get, like, three students to show up to it. Yeah. So when we're trying to put, we ca- we do cap the idea to launches because we want them to be an intimate setting. So we do cap them every single time in that 15 to 20 student range. Um, so we just, we like to keep it, you know, very organic and very conversational. Um, and that's the way that Chris prefers to facilitate. And, you know, I agree and support it wholeheartedly because otherwise you can't deeply or you can't even conversate about mm-hmm. everyone's idea in the room unless you cap the attendance numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aubriana did not hear the end of it because she's also my roommate. <laughs> After I went to that, I was so inspired. I came back to our apartment. I was like, that was awesome. I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur one day. I'm going to do all this stuff. And they still have not heard the end of it. So hey, Good. I don't mind not hearing the end of that. It's, I always love hearing about like interesting things. But you kind of talked about like all of these alumni that USC have that are very impressive. And I know that a lot of students, especially students like us who are very like ambitious, want that to be us one day. We want mm-hmm. to go into the quote unquote real world and be this amazing person like even be in like your shoes and just do all these like very cool things and how would you say like what's your advice for a student that has that mindset and like what's kind of the best thing you did while still in college to get you to the point that you're at Mm -hmm. so my college studies were a little bit abnormal because I graduated in three years instead of four and I was mentally again it was a goal I kind of set for myself early on I said I want to get out of the university setting as quickly as possible. So I didn't spend, but as a trade-off for that, I didn't spend a lot of time. Um, I mean, like I had a couple of internships on my resume, but I wasn't as strong as I should have been for graduating. And in hindsight, I might've taken in the extra year, but you know, given where I'm at now, don't see a point in regretting anything about the past or thinking, mm-hmm. overthinking it in general. Um, if I had to give any advice, it kind of goes back to the whole LinkedIn thing. Start building your social network as quickly as possible build up your social capital and your network as much as you can as early as you can and keep building it and be 110 percent relentless when you are building it and what I mean by that is don't be afraid to connect with anybody if you're inspired by me I hope that you reach out Mm -hmm. you know people love to hear hey you're inspiring you know I hear it actually about Laura Bocanfuso a lot and you know she inspires me Like every single day. Right. And there's people in the community, especially women who and like female students who have come to me and said, how do I get to be in your shoes one day? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. At some point, I'm either going to get hit by a bus or (laughs) die somehow. So, you know, I think that's what the city of Columbia also has to recognize altogether is that eventually the city has to change because there has to be new leadership elevated. And that's Mm -hmm. actually a core principle that GroCo operates on as, as an organization. We are constantly elevating new founders in the community to empower them to step up and lead their own initiatives. So if we have someone that's highly skilled in Ruby on Rails, for example, or in project management and, you know, managing offsite teams um, or offshore teams, sorry, not offsite. (laughs) Everybody's managing an offsite team these days. You know, managing offshore teams versus onshore and acceptable time zone differences and things like that. If we have people who are experts in those things, we empower them. And what we call it is... What like our slogan has become at GroCo is building a founder-led community at the Boyd Innovation Center that we lovingly called the BIC. 
So, um, you know, just along those lines, like we want to empower people to step up, empower the entrepreneurs in particular to step up, share their skills with other people and share it with the community. And let's all kind of rise together. We call it like a rising tide lifts all boats. We live by that. It's got to be like everybody's got to be uplifting other people in every aspect that, or every way that they possibly can. It's a community building the community. Really, it's not just Caroline building this community. I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. One yeah. person can't do it all. Yeah. Well, you are very inspiring. That's why we invited you here. So, <laughs> I, as I said earlier, I was so excited when you emailed back so fast. I was like, I know, she called no me way. and she was like, oh my gosh, she's in. <laughs> <laughs> we were really excited. Um, well, thank you so much. We actually have two more, more casual listener questions. Um, so the first one is, what would you say is the biggest company that has come from GroCo? Would you say that's Van Robotics? Yeah, so they are anchor tenant. And, you know, GroCo as an organization under, under the current mission that we're under um, since the Boyd Foundation has infused the investment into it, um, it's a very different mission than what it existed as previously. So I can't say that we've really produced a comp- like a big mm-hmm. brand at this point. Um, because we're still in the phase, honestly, like we're still we're I'm still too early stage as an organization. Like, you know, I operate Groco as a startup itself. So I can say that we're still too yeah. early stage for me to even say, hey, we've had a really big breakout company in general. Um, one, you know, so Van Robotics is our anchor tenant and they are the largest company that, you know, will be physically located at the Boyd Innovation Center. But there's other companies that we work with in the community that honestly, they're too big to fit mm. at the BIC. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, you know, just fantastic founders, fantastic companies um, overall, like Swamp Fox Technologies, Integer Technologies, 9FX, um, many of them being USC alums or U- or partners of USC in some capacity. Awesome. Or other universities as well. Yeah. Um, so the next question is very casual. What is your <laughs> favorite thing to do in Columbia? <laughs> we all, right. all need tips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need things to do. I love and hate this question because um, I, I do work a lot. So yeah, in, in the slim free time that you have. yeah, in, in my free time, I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? Um, I have to. I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, in all honesty, my personal favorite actually thing to do is to go hang out at my gym. And as lame as that sounds, um, the gym is you know it's kind of like the triathlete still that's kind of in me which I'm very much a retired triathlete at this point for just full disclosure. But my gym that I go to in Columbia has got the most incredible community that you could imagine. We work out with the, he's going to hate me for saying this, but the defensive coordinator for the Gamecock football team. Oh, wow. Um, he, you know, and we just rally everybody at the gym. Um, you know, Saturday mornings, we're at the end of the workouts. We're playing Sandstorm and getting oh super gosh. pumped up for Gamecock football. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Friday mornings in the gym. It's just everybody's a little bit more lighthearted and, you know, like dancing in between movements while we're on a rest or, you and know, things like that. what gym is this? Yeah, what gym <laughs> is this? Tell us your yeah. secrets. <laughs> All right, if anybody stalks me, I will be so upset here. <laughs> So it is. It's F45 and Forest Acres. Okay, I, I was yeah. going to guess that, but I didn't want to incorrectly be like, uh. <laughs> You're like, no, that's not. Like, incorrectly stereotyping. Is F45 pretty hard? 
It's. I feel like I've heard it's such a hard workout. I it think looks the so fun, answer to every question in life is usually <laughs> it depends, and that includes that one. For me. Yeah. Definitely. F- I've seen the videos. <laughs> F45 is very inclusive, though. So whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey, um, they just won, like, the best, uh, best of Columbia Award for, like, best gym or in best studio or best fitness studio in Columbia. Oh, They're wow. really awesome. I mean, the trainers are really great. It's just a really – but – Again, like the gym is built on the community of people who go there. Mm-hmm. F45s exist all over the world. Mm-hmm. And if you had ever asked me as someone who champions the local startup community in Columbia, if I ever saw myself working out at a franchise, I would have looked at you <laughs> like you had eight eyeballs. Like I would have never imagined this in my life. I'm more of like a boutique studio kind yeah. of girl or, mm-hmm. you know, something that's more local. I'm all about supporting local. But F45 has a community that just cannot be beat. And you know, when I took over GroCo, I knew when I walked into F45 on the first day that this was the place I wanted to be simply because of the people who were there, because it was so welcoming. And mm-hmm. I took so many things out of that community and have applied them to GroCo as well. You know, awesome. See, we'll have to try it out. You hate on me for loving group fitness, but <laughs> there's so much more to it than just. I used to love it. I used struggles. to love it. I got to get back into fitness. It's oh community. Goodness. It's community. Yeah, it is. So what's your favorite restaurant in Columbia? Okay, I need a category for this because I'm also a food snob. <laughs> uh, uh, category as in genre? Yes. Oh. What is your favorite restaurant for a college student to go to? <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, so I'm going to channel my inner Singapore here, and I'm going to go down my Rolodex of Asian restaurants. Okay. Because they're all, Let's do it. Yeah. I think that they're all um, like college student friendly, I would say. So <laughs> cheap. Korea. Okay, so Vietnamese, Favia, and Five Points. It's a staple for me there. Mm. Um, I probably eat there at least once every week because I love pho and I miss, oh I love gosh, Asian food in general. So, um, so that, that's my place for Vietnamese. Thai food is a Thai. Not like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Lotus Thai that's down Garner's Ferry. It's in kind of a sketchy shopping mall. Um, but it's really good. They have a really great salmon green curry, just for the record. And also a Thailand restaurant that's on St. Andrews. Mm. Also, they have like really great coconut soup. And then Korean 929 in the Vista and Japanese Anakaya. But O'Neill Court, like if you go out to St. Andrews, or the other location? No, it's not it. Sorry. We're very well versed in Asian yeah, restaurants. I, they <laughs> must be good. I warned you. I warned you. I'm a food snob. <laughs> you uh, really are. Like most most people call it being a foodie, and I'm like, no, just call it what it is. You're a food snob, and <laughs> it's okay. What about Chinese food? Chinese, I'm still working on in Colombia. If you know of a great place, please please reach out to me and recommend it. That goes out to the listeners as well. Yeah, we definitely yeah. don't. So maybe, yeah, maybe the le- listeners will let us know. Maybe they'll connect with you on place. LinkedIn and message. Yeah, you. <laughs> oh, I love this. All right, everybody says uh, like the Publix on Rosewood. There is a Chinese restaurant that's right beside there. I've heard of that one. Everybody says that it's good. I have. It's like Star something. I don't know. I tried I it once. Oh, oh I have bad. seen that. I haven't. Yeah, I actually it, have heard great things about that place. But when I was looking at the menu, I was looking at the pictures. I was like. Well, it looks fine, but maybe not amazing. So yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm still it. on the hunt for great Chinese <laughs> in Colombia. 
Um, when we get a Dentai fun care, I will be really excited. <laughs> I think we're a long ways away from that in Colombia, but <laughs> if uh, Mayor, if you call a Mayor, if you happen to be listening. Yeah. Dentai Fang. Maybe he is. Well, whenever you find a Chinese restaurant, you'll have to come back and let us know. It can be a one-minute episode, and you can just tell us about your favorite Chinese restaurant. Put a little addendum on the podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. We loved hearing your story. We loved hearing everything you've experienced and all of your really helpful advice. I'm like actually so fascinated right I know. now. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be hard to top this guest. I know, for real. Thank just you get, so much. Just get Laura Bocanfuso in here. Okay. Yeah, she'll blow it out of the water. We Dumb. will. Yeah. And next time Chris is in town, I'll get Chris in here too. Oh, <laughs> Chris would be awesome. He would be really great. Yeah. Well, thank you yes, so much again you. for being here. You are amazing, and hopefully everyone connects with you on LinkedIn. Yes. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been awesome.